house, so I live on the third floor, and the heat goes up, you know, in these places. So it's not hot, but it's definitely going to be that. So I got to get my fans and stuff on. Um, and I thank God that we're able to be together because I'm telling you, it's uh, it's a different way of worship, but we're going to worship. So I thought we'd try to have, since uh, Deacon Carlin last week, she sang her song. I thought I'd have uh, uh, Reverend Robeson lead us in a chorus of This Is The Day or something so that we would have a little music uh, before we had the sermon. Okay. Let me unmute here. <clears throat> okay, I'll, I'll try my best because, you know, I those words, even though I know that song very well, those words just don't always come to me. But uh, Well, I'll, I'll sing with you. The rest of you can mute if you want to sing with us. I, I think okay. that would be a good idea. <laughs> All right. So All right. this is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. And be glad in it, cause this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Amen. All right, praise the Lord. We'll work on it, but praise God, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And so I would ask that uh, Deacon Don would you offer a word of prayer, and then we'll go into our teaching this morning. Deacon? Okay. We can you hear me? Yeah. No, I hear you now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we give you all honor and praise and glory. Heavenly Father, just morning, Heavenly Father. And Heavenly Father, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it, Heavenly Father, Lord God, because you made this day, and you're the one who woke us up, up, woke us up this morning to see this beautiful day that you made, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, for watching over us all through the night, Heavenly Father, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for touching us this morning, Lord God, and you gave us strength, Lord God, to get up this morning, Lord God, to be a part of this wonderful service having a father lord god and we know that you is of us lord god this morning having a father and we thank you lord god for watching over us and thank you for keeping us lord god thank you for sustaining us lord god thank you lord god for being our provider lord god and our healer lord god we worship you lord god we honor you and we glorify you and we praise your holy name for you are more than worthy to be praised for you are great and an awesome God, and there's none like you, Heavenly Father. None can be compared to you, Heavenly Father, Lord God. For you are from everlasting to everlasting. You are from generation to generation, Lord God. There is God. no other that you, Heavenly Father. 
and we worship you, Heavenly Father, Lord God. We honor you and we praise your holy name, Heavenly Father. And we stand in awe of all the wonderful things that you always do, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we want to thank you for always watching over us, Lord God, and keeping us safe, Lord God. Thank you for our health this morning, Lord God. We're so grateful, Lord God, that we're not in the hospital this morning, having a father. That we're not in sick bed this morning, having a father, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for blessing us in so many ways, Lord God, already this morning. Father, and give you all the honor and give you all the praise, Lord God. And we thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ, who shed his precious blood for our sins. We thank you for the blood of the Lamb. We thank you for the blood of the awesome, sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And we thank you, Lord God, in the blood of the Lamb. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you gave yourself for us because you love us, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love, Lord God endures forever and no one cannot love us the way that you can and your word said that no one cannot separate us nothing cannot separate us from your love so we're grateful this morning and we are honored this morning and heavenly father we thank you lord god for all the ones lord god that's on the in this service this morning heavenly father lord god and we ask you lord god continue to bless each and every one lord god continue to have you in our lives lord god we pray that you continue to be the head of our lives, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you continue to guide us and direct our path, Heavenly Father. We pray, Lord God, that you in us and through us to accomplish your will and plan and purpose, Lord God, because we can't do nothing without you, Heavenly Father. We ask you, Lord God, us to do your will, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, for our pastor, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, continue to bless her in every way, Lord God. We are grateful and thankful, Lord God, for her teachings and her leadership, Lord God, and the love of God she has in her heart, Lord God, and everything that she does. And we ask you, Lord God, to bless her in every way, Lord God, and continue to keep her in perfect health and perfect peace. And family also, Lord God. And we ask you, Lord God, to bless every family, Lord God, that's represented here this morning, Heavenly Father that you keep them safe also and keep them in perfect health and in perfect peace. And we lift up our bread of life, church family, Lord God, this morning. And wherever they are, Lord God, we pray, Heavenly Father, that they will have a mind that stayed on you, Lord God. We pray, Heavenly Father, Lord God, that you just continue to watch over them, Lord God, and meet every need that they have, Lord God. And when they're able, Lord God, to join us, Lord God, that they will join us, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we thank you for all the bread of life, church family, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, and we give you glory, honor, and praise in the mighty yeah. name of Christ. Amen. 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 So we thank God this morning for uh, waking us up, causing us to be in our right mind as uh, older people would say having a sound and disciplined mind is what the Word of God says. And so we're just grateful this morning for each one of you. And uh, as I was saying earlier before we started the service, um, I started out with a message that I thought, well, God was going to just take me in one direction, but he took me in several. And I ended up back at the beginning uh, with scripture that God used with me when he was calling me to the ministry. 
And uh, I'm not going to give that whole story to this morning, but it's going to be in the book. What I'm going to be saying this morning is a part of the book that uh, I am uh, assigned to write by the Lord and my uh, colleague and sister in the ministry, uh, McNair, is assisting me. She has written several books, and so she is really my editor for this book. But uh, I want you to turn to Isaiah 61. And I also want you to find Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Those are the two scriptures that I'm going to be using this morning. And so I want to read, first of all, I want to read Isaiah. But before I do that, I just need to ask the Holy Spirit's guidance and help here. Father God, I thank you this morning for the word. And I thank you, Father God, for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. And I asked you, Holy Spirit, to speak through my mouth and think through my mind and cause the word of God to go forth in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. That the people would have anointed ears to hear and hearts open to receive from your word. And that whatever is done and said would be to your glory and honor. I ask that in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So, good morning. Good morning, Sister Robinson. Good morning. Good morning. So, so I, I want to, as I say, start with the scripture in... Uh, Isaiah 61, and I'm using this iPad, and I know why I don't use them too much, because they they lose stuff. <laughs> they move stuff, and I'm used to using my Bible, because it won't move unless I move it. <laughs> Amen. So praise the Lord. We're looking at, uh, I, I think I'm going to look at Luke chapter 4, uh, because um, well, no, let's go to Isaiah, Isaiah 61. So Isaiah, of course, uh, prophesied all of the information in the book of Isaiah. He prophesied before uh, uh, eight, 800 years before God, um, before Jesus came to the earth. I need to bind that spirit. There's a spirit of confusion, and I bind you now in the name of Jesus. So, Isaiah 61, verse 1 says, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom, for the captives and release darkness for the prisoners and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes and oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And so when we look at that, 
we look at uh, Luke, then we look at Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And so I'm, I'm going there on this wonderful iPad. <laughs> okay. So the Lord's Spirit has come to me. This is uh, uh, the uh, CEV translation. It was a simple translation, and I decided to use it because I want you to get a picture of what's going on here. So the Lord's Spirit has come to me because he has chosen me to tell the good news to the poor. The Lord has sent me to announce freedom for prisoners, to give sight to the blind, to free everyone who suffers, and to say, this is the year the Lord has chosen. And verse 20 says, Jesus closed the book, then handed it back to the man in charge and sat down. Everyone in the synagogue looked straight at Jesus. So Isaiah wrote this 900 years before uh, or more before Jesus was born because he prophesied uh, the uh, he prophesied the uh, excuse me he prophesied the uh, birth of Jesus and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ he prophesied both those things 900 years before they occurred so here's Jesus in the synagogue reading the book of Isaiah reading this scripture that talks about the spirit of the Lord is upon him. So here I am over at St. John Baptist Church, just minding my own business. And all of a sudden, along with the other things that were happening to me in the spirit realm, prayer and all of that, comes this scripture. And every time I touch my Bible, I ended up at Isaiah 61. So even in that time, I realized God was giving me a message, but I needed to try to figure out what that message really was. And so uh, I began to research, and I found out that in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, was that same uh, reading that I kept reading in Isaiah 61. And so my motive this morning for the Lord, I thought, for the Lord giving me this scripture was, is he was going to have me teach on the part that says he gave recovery of sight to the blind. But instead, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go back and forth, maybe not even get to the recovery side of the blind. We may do that next time. But to talk about how this scripture has come to life in my life because that's what y'all are going to read about in the book, among other things. Uh, the book, uh, Reverend T seems to think that a lot of people are going to get deliverance, especially females, because there's such a bondage that goes along with females in the ministry. And I want to say to Sabrina, because I believe that that's what's happening in her life. Don't let people bind you and tell you you can only preach and teach to women. You preach and teach to whoever God calls you to preach and teach mm -hmm. to. 
And I want to say that because that's what I was faced with when I first acknowledged my call. Well, we'll, we'll let you come and do something on Women's Day. And the women, and there's nothing wrong with teaching women. I have been doing that for years, even before I was called to ministry. But the word that God gave me, according to this scripture that I read, says that I deal with folks in jail, and that has certainly come to pass. I deal with folks who have addictions, and that has certainly come to pass. They're in bondage. I deal with whoever God puts in my face. And so I want to always say that to women, because somehow we put them in a place. And I know in recovery, I know in that meet, the alphabet meetings, they say women sponsor women. And men sponsor men. And I'm okay with that because that's the way that goes. But in the body of Christ, if you go to Galatians, I believe it's Galatians 6 and 1, where it says there is no male or female in the body of Christ. Excuse me. And so we need to understand that. And God has put me in a position to be that model. Because he has done everything with me but what tradition says women can do. So, praise the Lord. I give God the glory for that. And I'm very proud of my children in the ministry. And I have more male children than I have female children in the ministry. Now, I have uh, Reverend Robeson and I have uh, up and coming uh, uh, Brother Lloyd and in years past, I had Chuck Norman, who is now gone home to be with the Lord. And uh, and then I have a Dr. Elise Orby, who is in North Carolina. She is the director of an abused, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, Center for Abused Women. And, uh, and I'm very proud that God has used me in that way. So I want him to keep on giving me the freedom to do what he wants me to do. But I want to use these scriptures this morning to let you know that the callings of God, and I want somebody to find that it'll be in Romans. Uh, the callings of God are without repentance. And I say that this morning because I do know that most everybody that's called to ministry goes through a period of resistance. And I certainly did it because I wanted people to like me. But I found out if I was going to serve God, the real serve, really servant, they're not going to like me. <laughs> and there's a lot of them that don't like me. But they don't like me because God has given me a voice to speak a word for him. But also I am a very direct person at in this society we live in, people don't like you if you tell the truth and you're direct about it. And so, praise God, I'm happy. I, though there are some that love me and they they let me know they love me. But you know, the most important thing to me is that God loves me and that God is pleasing. And that's what we have to learn as believers. We have to be concerned about what God thinks. And in this society, we began to worry about what people think. We learn that early and we teach our children that. Well, what will people think? And so I was one of those mothers who was saved, 
and doing the very best parenting I could. And my son ended up an addict. My firstborn ended up an addict. And my God, I was so guilty and so so afraid of what people would say. And I tell this uh, story all the time. It's not a story. It's the truth. That Cora uh, Lewis, who was David Lewis's mother, and I were members at uh, St. John Baptist Church at the same time. And I knew her to say hello and all of that, but I didn't know nothing about David. And she didn't know nothing about Eric because we didn't let people know. My pastor, Reverend James Branch, who is now home with the Lord, he knew about Eric. I went to him several times and he came to the house and prayed for Eric and all of that. But it wasn't, and my friends in the church, my sister friends, they all knew my neighbor, Oprah Harper, and some others. But it wasn't a public thing that you had people know that you had an addict for a son. But, you know, God is good because he, he delivered me from that. And I'm so grateful today that I can help other mothers know that you do the best you can with these kids. But when they get grown, they do what they want to do. And unfortunately... We we want to take it on ourselves that we didn't do a good job. Well, the devil, you know, I had a man tell me when I was a teenager, he was telling me about men. And he said this, he said, your mother can talk to you for 20 years and a man can come along and talk you out of it in 20 minutes. And that is no lie. <laughs> Any woman could tell you that, honey. If you got the right language, if you come with the right thing, she'll listen. So what I'm saying is, is the devil will talk your children out of everything you've ever taught them in a few minutes if they listen. They listen. So here's where I'm going with this. I'm wanting to tell you that that's when God started to prepare me for ministry. And I'll finish about Cora Lewis. Cora Lewis uh, was there at the grand opening of Free at Last, which was held in 19, uh, 1946 University Avenue. It was an old raggedy building that Israel Harris Sr. rented to Free at Last. The thing, the roof was leaking and all of that. But anyway, it was a big building. So when they, when God sent me there to start having services, uh, they had their first, at last had their first anniversary. And of course, I did the invocation. I've done every invocation that for every anniversary celebration they've had in the past 25, 26 years. And so here I am at this anniversary, and they asked us to bring a dish. Well, you know, I wasn't into Islam and all that, so I bought some black-eyed peas, honey, with some hammocks in them. And, of course, you know, they didn't—they gave me my peas to take back home, which was all right with me. <laughs> that was all right. But anyway, Cora Lewis was in the kitchen, and I said, well, hello. She said, hi. I said, what you doing back here? 
She said, oh, you know, David is my son. I said, oh, no, well, did you know Eric was my son? Because I knew that she had known Eric during his, when he was alive, if he, because if, him and David were very uh, close. She said, really? I said, yes. Now, we sat in church for all those years at St. John, and we didn't know about our bad kids. I like to say that because they were bad, and you know, a whole bunch of stuff they had. No business, but God turned them around, and they, Eric died saved. And nine years into his sobriety, and David Lewis, I think, had 20 years when he when he got killed. So, you know, praise God. But anyway, uh, as a result of that, you know, God assigned me to Free at Last. My assignment with Free at Last still exists after all of these years. Eric's gone, David's gone, but I'm still with them because God assigned it. That was the beginning of my assignment assignment in East Palo Alto, you see, because I was called to East Palo Alto. I knew that when I came back from Tulsa, Oklahoma, that God had called me to East Palo Alto. And then he finally helped me to know that he had called me to to, to, uh, pastor then that was a really a thing, but I took a side trip. I went over there and I stay. I started well. I started Red Life uh, in Redwood City because there was no place for me to start in East Palo Alto, and uh, we did fine until we moved into this private school with this woman. And she called me out. I don't know where she found out about me, but she called me out. We were at Howard Johnson's motel, and she said to me, "Uh, I have a big room that I would like to rent to you. It has pews in it and everything. It's a platform. It's set up for church. And she said, "Uh, I would love to offer it to you for $100 a week which was very reasonable at that time. And we went there, but the problem was she wouldn't keep it clean. So every week I'd have to go Saturday night and clean up so we could have service on Sunday. And pretty soon people began to fade away. And pretty soon I got so discouraged until I did what the Bible says don't do. And that's the shepherd should not scatter the sheep. Well, I scattered them because I quit. I quit. I said, I'm not going to do this. And uh, I asked Bishop, who, uh, well, doctor, who is now Bishop Ernestine Reams, to take me under her uh, watch kill. And she did. But I want to go back to this scripture because I don't want to get away from this scripture. So the thing that happened with this scripture, I kept getting this in the Bible. It was just, God, I could not touch my Bible without looking at that scripture. And it just would jump out at me. And I said, Lord, I looked this up and all, but I just don't get it. So for the first time, I think, ever, St. John, the, the, the mission circle that I belong to, uh, said, let's have a shed-in in the church because we have some Pentecostal women in, in the circle. One of them was my prayer partner. Uh, she's been to New Zealand to preach, and her sister is, oh, goes back and forth to Africa. And so they said, let's have a shed-in. 
So we had a shed in the St. John. We brought our blankets and put them, spread them out all in the sanctuary. And, you know, them folks, them deacons was looking at us like, I'm glad when y'all get out of here. They came to a deacons meeting on that Saturday because we were there Friday, Saturday, and then we left Sunday morning and looked at us like, you are totally out of your minds and I wish you'd get out of here. <laughs> but, honey, we prayed and we fasted. And we stayed in there, and I guess St. John had the best service they ever had that Sunday morning. But anyway, during that time, a woman that I had contact with when I was at Woodside High School on staff, her daughter was pregnant. And so I had a woman who was a campus aide, campus supervisor, and she would talk with those kids, and if she found out one of them needed help, she would come and tell me. So she came and told me that this child was pregnant, and she said, Frazier, you need to talk to her very soon because it looks like she's pretty far along because she was a little skinny thing. And so anyway, I called her into the office, and I said, uh, do you uh, need help? I said, I, I think that uh, someone told me you needed help. That's the way I would do with that because this woman was the campus aide and when she knew about their pregnancy, she come to me. Now, we had a school nurse, but if they were from East Palo Alto, they ended up with me. And so she began to cry and said, yes, she was pregnant. She's about I guess four and a half months or five months. And I said, well, baby, does your mother know that? And she said, no. I said, well, we're going to have to go to mom and tell her, and I will go with you. That was my practice. I would not send them home to tell their parents by themselves because that is a scary thing. And so I would go with them, and I'd start the conversation, and then... They would then cry, and Mama would cry, but we got that thing taken care of. And so that's what I did with her. But her mother was a missionary at New Sweet Home Church, and she was a school teacher. She was uh, actually a school teacher for the Ravenswood District. And so when I took the girl home, we went home, and I told her sister Tom, Thomas what had gone on and why I was there. She said to me, she said, thank you so much. I will never forget what you have done for me and my daughter. And actually, when that baby was born, she officially called me the Godmother. She didn't ask me. She just officially called me the Godmother. But anyway, during this fast at St. John, this uh, missionary, Thomas, showed up. And she is filled with the Holy Ghost. And she began to speak in tongues and began to prophesy. And she looked at me and she said, I need to pray for you. And I said, okay. And when she started the prayer, she said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I nearly fell over because there was no way that that woman could have known that God was whipping me with that scripture. It wasn't whipping me. He just wouldn't let me get away from it. And so as a result, one of my sisters there, my, my prayer partner, Cora Jackson, said to me, well, girl, don't you know that means you called the preacher? I said, maybe, but not me. I think I laughed at because, uh, uh, you know, how many times have people said that to God? It's not me. It don't mean me. Are you not uh, 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 calling me? 
But yes, he is. And when he does, he doesn't let you leave until you say, okay. So even after that, I have continued to have that scripture uh, present itself to me when I would go to do my devotion or whatever. And then I heard about this church called Faith Christian Fellowship where they were having teaching on intercessory prayer. And some of you all have heard that testimony. But this the 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 next time I went to that church after I went about the intercessory prayer was to hear a man named Larry Huggins, who was a minister from Oklahoma, and he came along and said, uh, everybody that wants to be received the baptism of the Holy Spirit should come and get in the prayer line after he did an altar call. So the person that was with me, she was used to those kinds of meetings, the uh, she went out to buy some tapes. The man had some tapes out there, and she went out to buy some tape. And I'm sitting there. And when he did the altar call, I got up because I had been seeking. I had been seeking on my own because I read this book called Nine O'Clock in the Morning that talked about that. And I wanted God to fill me with the Holy Ghost. And so I went up in the prayer line. I had been seeking at home on my knees by myself, and I got mad at God because I asked him to, 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 to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And so I was on my knees that morning, and I said, I'm not getting up off my knees until you fill me with the Holy Ghost. And when I was down on my knees, the utterance came out. And the devil said to me, oh, that's not the right sound. You, that ain't, that, you don't sound like other people. Well, quiet as is kept. You don't have to sound like other people. Whatever God gives you in a prayer language and utterance is, is you. So, but I didn't know that. So anyway, I went down to that church. And so when this man gave the altar call, I got up and went in the, the, the altar call. And he uh, uh, prayed for us. And when he prayed, he said, now I want you to pray in your language. Well, the same sound that came out of my mouth at the foot of my bed came again. And this man was at, uh, I was the last person in the altar call line. He was way to, way down for me. He looked down at the prayer line, looked at me, came down off the platform, walked up in front of me and said, let's you and I pray together. So the same sound came and he said to me, what is that? And I said, the Holy Spirit, because by this time I had figured it out. And he said to me, don't let anybody tell you that you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, don't let them tell you that. Well, he didn't know who, well, I guess he did know, but it wasn't any human being, it was the devil. And that's how quickly he speaks to us. When God speaks to us, if you're not careful, he'll come right on the scene behind him and tell you it's not true, don't do it, whatever lie he can tell you. And so he, this man, Larry Huggins, when he <laughs> finished praying, when we finished uh, the prayer line, he said, don't leave. You stand right here with me. And I thought, oh, Lord, now what? And when he looked at me, he said, I'm going to tell you some things about you. 
And he began to speak stuff to me that I knew to be true. And then he said to me, uh, he said, turn around and face the audience. Because he had been, we had, I had had my back turned because he just was face to face with me. And when he did that, he said, let me introduce you to a new minister of the gospel. Well, now I've heard this two times. I heard it from my uh, sister in the, in the uh, prayer in the shut-in, and now I'm hearing it again from this man. And he described how God was using me in prayer and all of that. And I never saw that man in my life. So I had to pay attention then. But I didn't say anything because in the church where I was, if I went up there and said, you know, I've called to preach, they would have just <laughs> laughed at me. My pastor that I had by that time didn't believe in women in the ministry, he said. But let me tell you, he prophesied to me when he first came to the church. And I guess he didn't realize what was happening to him. He came to our church, our pastor, Reverend Branch, passed away, and he came to our church as a new pastor. And we had the Sunday School Conference, Congress, uh, that's a Baptist event. And uh, so at the break time, we were standing there, some of my sisters, mission sisters and I, and this man, brand new to the congregation at St. John, walked up into our little gathering. He said, how y'all doing? We said, fine. He said, uh, can somebody give me a cigarette? I'm about to have a nicotine fix. We all looked at each other very piously. <laughs> Every one of us smoked cigarettes <laughs> and said, finally, one of the sisters, she just up and was honest. She said, here, you can have one of mine. <laughs> Excuse me. You can have one of mine. And the rest of us looked like, oh, boy, he smoked cigarettes. Well, so did our prior pastor. But he hid it from us. He'd go out in the back of the building and smoke and was very careful that he didn't smell like smoke. You know, we can get caught up in some simple kinds of stuff with our sanctified selves. And so uh, I, I try not to do that. I've had people come to me smelling like everything, and I didn't try to condemn them at all because. It could have been me. It wasn't me. There were some things I didn't use, but I wasn't too holy to admit that I wasn't perfect. You see, you have to be careful with that. And so that's why God can use me in the ministry that he uses me in. Because, honey, I've had him come all kinds of ways. I've preached him sober and be so drunk. <laughs> God would let me just except, you know, because God accepts us. I, I, that's what I want you to see in Scripture. He's talking about giving sight to the blind, letting the captives go free, the prisoners. That's in jail, y'all. All of those are covered in that Scripture. And so he is not a respecter of person because to, every, to him, every one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We have sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of God and we can't turn our nose up at anybody and we don't need to do it because God can use us to help that person and so if we turn our nose up at them and treat them like a Pharisee but the Pharisees treated people you want to see some hypocrites read about the Pharisees 
in the New Testament and how stupid they were, excuse me, but I call them stupid. And that's how they missed knowing who Jesus was because they were so saved and sanctified and stupid. So we cannot be like that. And I know that I probably need to be winding up and I, and I haven't really gotten started with what I wanted to tell you about the scripture, but I had to tell you about me because I can always tell you about me. I can't tell you about everybody else. What does that song say? You can't tell it like I can about people. And God has given me the freedom to be able to let people know how I got where I am, that I didn't change overnight and I still have work to do because I'm a human being. I'm in human flesh. I don't make no excuses for my mistakes. I have affirmations said that, Lord, let my mistakes bring you glory because, you know, we get too perfect and we're not perfect. And I just want people to know that God loves us. If he didn't love us, he wouldn't have accepted us the way we were. Because when we came to him, we weren't perfect. And, you know, he knows where we came from. He's, the scripture in Psalms 139 says, I knew you when you were yet unformed in your mother's womb. Now, how is that? How well does he know us? Because when you were yet unformed in your mother's womb, you were just a little spot. And then you grew a tail. Do you realize that in our embryo stage, we have a tail? <laughs> so God knew us. You know, he put us together. He's the one that put us together. And he's the one that watched us develop. And then he allowed us to be born. He gave us life. One of the things that we as women can't do is give that fetus life. Give that embryo life. We carry, we are carriers, we are bearers, but we are not life givers because we can't do that. Only God can give life to these children that we give birth to. And we need to understand that they belong to God. We have to release them to God because if we don't release them, they'll never get where God intends for them to be because we get in the way. So I say, that when God sent me to Oklahoma to prepare for ministry, he got me out of the way so he could do something with Eric and cause Eric to be the man he wanted him to be before he left this world. And he did it because I was out of the way. You see, I uh, wanted him to change and wanted him to be the man that God wanted him to be, but I wanted to call shots. And God wasn't willing to let me call the shots because he needed God to call the shots. And so when he got me out of the way, uh, this man OD'd in the university, on University Avenue. Uh, they had to come get him with the paramedics, all of that. But when I came home to California from Oklahoma, I had a clean and sober son who was ready then to take his place in leadership and do that outreach work until it was time to go home to be with the Lord. And yes, it cost him. That drug addiction cost him his life in a sense because there, nobody knew at that time before when he was using drugs that dirty needles would cause uh, a virus 
that would kill. And that's the other big virus that we have had recently, in recent days, is the AIDS virus. It killed many. Many of them lived, but many of them died. When I came home from Oklahoma, men were dropping like flies, and they first said it was men who uh, have sex with men. But pretty soon they found out that IV drug users were dying, and it was men and women. And then, in the end result, there were more women of color dying. Women of color were then being victim. And you know one thing, if you look at that virus today, you see that people of color are again dying. What is that about? That's about the devil trying to destroy some human beings that are very, very durable. <laughs> That's a word that you may not like. But honey, we have come through slavery we have been discriminated against, and we're not alone in the discrimination. We have uh, Latin people, Asian, the Asian people have learned how to kind of uh, blend in, but the rest of us don't know how to blend in. And so we, we are subject, even in 2020, <clears throat> to discrimination. But hey, we survive it. We survive because God. So now they're trying to kill us off with this virus. I say they, but the devil. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus comes that we might have life and have it for them. So I'm going to end this. I think that I've given y'all enough today if we can handle all of what I told you and do something to process it and God can show you how you can use it. I'm thankful. But there is much more that you will find out about my <laughs> running for the Lord when this book comes out. And I'll try to do a little bit here and there. Reverend T thinks I should be doing a podcast on this book, but I won't do it until we finish the book or at least finish the part that God is going to have us do right now. This book has been in my spirit <clears throat> for a number of years and I tried to get it done with my daughter-in-law, uh, Sister uh, Melanie, and we started transcribing some stuff, but uh, it just, it wasn't going. And so I stopped it. But with Reverend T, God showed me, since she has the experience of publishing, and she understands much more about ministry, that she would be the person to help. And she has been faithful to do that. We meet every two weeks. She records whatever um, subject we're discussing that has to do with my ministry and my life. And uh, we are coming along, so I thank God for that. And I thank God for you all at Bread of Life that you are suffering along with me through this coronavirus and that we're going to come out and God's going to uh, grow us. He's going to start growing us. I'm sure that when we get through here with this shed, uh, shed that's what I'm calling it, the shed -in. So what you do at a shed-in is that you spend a lot of time in the, the shed-in of prayer, and then somebody shares the scripture. So that's what we need to be doing. That's why we're praying every night. I'm saying that. I'm just realizing 
why God has us praying every night. Of course, we need the prayer because of what's going on in the world. That's what you do at a shed-in. You spend time in prayer. So we spend time every night in prayer. And so I just ask God to continue to use us together, that we will be able to remain together. And he's adding new people. And so I'm thankful for that. So with that said, I'm going to pray, and uh, if anyone has anything to say, they're welcome to it. And if anybody needs to Jesus Christ, I'm happy to pray with you. I know we do have a new person with us, and I want to make sure that if she needs to do that, we're able to do that for her. So, Father God, we thank you so much. We thank you because whatever I said today was your will. I believe that because you brought to my attention what you wanted me to teach on, and I know that that scripture means much to me because you mean much to me, and my whole life is centered around what you want me to do in this world. And so I just thank you so much. And I thank you for those that were listening, that God would speak to their hearts and that they were blessed by what was said or it applied in their lives and they took what they needed to apply it in their lives. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus name. And everyone said, even if I can't hear you, amen. 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 So I'm looking at your big smile, Sister Robeson, and I thank God for you and your wonderful uh, granddaughters who are just uh, so photogenic and so <laughs> eager to be photogenic, and I just thank that. <laughs> <laughs> so 